Third John. We're going to be in the middle one, Second John, looking at verses one through eleven. You know, in the world of the first century Roman Empire, there was worldwide travel. There was this massive spread of ideas and religions, philosophies, and ideologies, probably unlike anything the world had ever seen, as far as people just going to and fro and, and hearing new things and sharing new things. And uh, you know, in that mix, the Christian movement was exploding as well. Christian teachers, missionaries, just ordinary Christian laypersons traveling around telling about the message of Jesus, about the salvation that came with the coming of Christ. In such a mix, there was always this tendency for new teaching and new ideas to be brought in, maybe pagan ideas and mixed or imported into the Christian teaching. And, and uh, so it was a dangerous thing, actually. So all of these non-Christian ideas being floated out there as, as Christian. So it's no surprise that the New Testament church leaders really wanted to shore up and, and solidify what the truth of Christianity was and is. They wanted to shore up doctrine and beliefs and Christian practices. This little letter, 2 John, I think that, that it's such a letter. It's a letter largely written to bring stability and to bring solid footing to a church that's constantly being inundated and confused with new ideas and new thoughts and, and new teachings, specifically false teachings. You know, while I was out the last couple of weeks, um, I watched a lot of old westerns, uh, movies and old western uh, TV shows and series like Laramie. And, and you know, one of the things that seems to constantly happen in these old westerns is uh, someone gets in quicksand. Gets in quicksand. And uh, uh, this thick, bottomless mire, you know, they can mobilize you and eventually entomb you if you don't have some help from the outside. And, and I had that as one of my illustrations today. I thought I better look up. Is quicksand really a thing? I don't think it's really that much of a thing, but in the Westerns it's a thing, so go with it. You know, uh, these, these, so I would watch these cowboy heroes get, get mired in quicksand, and, and it was really a, a sad thing, but always a good thing when there was someone there to pull them out. Things weren't the only thing I was watching though while I was sick. I read a lot of news, uh, saw a lot of headlines and different things. And I'll tell you, between the sickness and, and, and uh, just kind of having my health stripped back again, my own plans, uh, things that I had in mind that I would be doing, all of that being stripped away, and then in the midst of this, just watching the news, which can be a very dangerous thing, you know, it can really, really skew your perspective. So, uh, but, but I'll just tell you, this was the perspective I had. Uh, it was disorienting. It seemed like the country, uh, just in those couple of weeks, has, has went right back into a greater state of chaos. And it's not just about COVID or any of that. It seems like there's just pandemonium in every institution, every organization, almost everything that we've held dear and thought was a solid thing. It seems like someone is poking their finger at it and, at it and trying to upturn it. And so, uh, you know, and, and going through all this and watching all this, and, and it's like, oh gosh, what in the world is going on? And again, not in the best frame of mind, but, uh, you know, I found myself feeling like some of those old cowboys, like I was, I was mired. I was being sucked in to this slew of information, you know, and, and, and then, of course, I began to think about, oh, goodness, you know, 
comes to COVID stuff, and we're going to have to start dealing with that. Uh, there's going to be, you know, every couple of hours, the news is changing, the CDC is changing, this is changing, schools are looking at what to do, and I just, I'm telling you, I was like drowning in quicksand. All this information, and here's one of the things I was thinking about. What can you believe? You know, I would like to just know the truth about something. But, you know, especially though, with, with when you're sick, you're thinking, do I take this treatment? Do I take that? Some people are telling me to take this, to take that. What is the truth? What is the truth? I, I was in quicksand. And I just kind of cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I, I'm being dizzied and, and disoriented here. Give me something solid. And I'll tell you, I'm so thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the Bible. And it's this timeless, eternal truths that we can go to. And so I, 2 John was a chapter this week that really helped me. I want to share some things with you. It was like a lifeline in this disorienting quicksand that I was in this week. And I think there are some truths here for us that are really important. And I hope to speak to you as well. But the first thing I want to show you today is solid footing in a world of quicksand. And that's in verses 1 through 3. Second John says, The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. In truth and love. So solid footing in a world of quicksand Two things that this letter is about. Truth and love. Let's think about those great realities for just a moment together. Truth and love. They're like the two feet of Christianity. Truth and love. Two feet upon which we have a solid footing and on which we can stand. He begins talking about Truth and loving each other truly. Truth and love. He repeats it over and over in this letter. These are foundations of Christian fellowship. And really, I mean, this is just one of the main points today. What, what do we need to get back to? What is going to keep us solid and keep us grounded in a day that's very disorienting and confusing? Friends, here it is. Truth and love. These are the two feet upon which we in the church must stand. In verse 2, he indicates that truth and love together are a special thing. They're like a dynamite. They're this, they're this thing that God uses to bring His blessing and of grace and mercy and peace to us in the church. So where there is truth and love, the blessings of Christ will be present. And then I think we can say conversely, where truth and love one or the other or both have been vacated, you will not know the grace and the blessings and the peace of Christ. So that's the first big point. Two solid feet that we stand on in the church. Two things we need. Not, you know, they needed it in the first century. We need it in this century. We need it in this day to return to get our eyes, our focus back on truth and love. They're timeless. When nothing else is solid. Friends, we have the Christian truth. We have the love of God and the love of Christ which abides. So solid footing in the world of quicksand. 
truth, and love. Now let's look at verses 4 through 6. John goes a little further with a simple reminder. Not only do you have these two feet of truth and love, you've got to walk on those feet. Here's the simple reminder to walk in truth and love. Verses 4 through 6. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. A simple reminder, you've got two feet, truth and love, now walk on them. Walk in them. In verse 4, he says, I'm encouraged. I hear and I know that some of you, maybe most of you in the church, he says, are walking in the truth, but not all. There were people in the church that were not walking in the truth. He says, some of you are, and I'm encouraged about that. You know, maybe some, apparently, because of the key theme of this letter, is false teaching and deception. So some had apparently fallen prey in the church to false teaching. I know we don't think that's possible for us. It's possible for someone else. But some people had fallen prey to lies and they were not walking in the light of the truth. But some were, he says. All right. And then in verse 5, we see something else has happened. Not only are some not walking in truth, while some are, something has happened and caused them to cease to walk in Christian love. And so he says, let me go back to one of the very first things that you've ever learned as a Christian. Walk in love. Walk in love. Don't just walk in the truth. Walk in love. I want to remind you, he says, go back to that foundational thing. You know, again, I tell you, when, when tempers are hot, and, and, and again, when I'm feeling good, we're worried, we're stressed, all kinds of things are going on. One of the things that can happen is love can kind of just fly away. And, and I don't know what's going on here in this church that John's writing to exactly. I know there's some divisions, there's some disputes, there are factions, there are little groups. This group thinks they have the truth, this group thinks they have the truth, and maybe that's caused them to cease to love one another across the different groups. But I, I know this, he says, get back to loving one another. You gotta walk in love. There are a lot of things in Christianity that people disagree about. There are a lot of things, I will just be honest, that I look at the Bible and I go, I wish that was a little bit clearer. We can look at some things and land in maybe a couple of different spots on that thing. But I'll tell you one thing that we can't land in different spots on. One thing that is absolutely clear from the Bible, Christianity, is about love. It's about receiving the love of Christ, and it's about loving others. It is a non-negotiable. It is indisputable. It is foundational. It is utterly a bedrock of our faith. It's loving one another. Hey, folks, I, I realize this probably in uh, brain surgery or rocket science today. This is just getting back to the main things. Love one another. Walk in love, actually, is what he says. Love doesn't come without work. Love takes commitment. We have to foster love. We have to set our sights on it. 
and we have to work to not let it grow cold. Would you uh, do something with me? Let's turn back. Again, this is a little bit elementary, I realize. The first Corinthians 13. And let's just be reminded real quick of one of the great love passages in the Bible, verses 4 through 8. I just want us to read it. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. So we are being encouraged, they are being encouraged to walk in love. To just simply love one another. What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, John even says in this letter that it looks like following the commands of God. It has a certain complexion. Love is a certain set of things, and there are things that are actually not love. We can call it love, but they're not love. So I thought it was just a great reminder for us as we're thinking about loving one another in the midst of a difficult day to hear what love looks like and to be reminded. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, thinking about what love is. Love is patient. I'm out. <laughs> love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love doesn't brag and it's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffering. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Verse 9, for we know in part and prophesy in part. When the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Did you see what love looks like? It's patient. There's a kindness to it. There's a willingness to suffer a wrong. There's a willingness to bear some hardship in the midst of it. Doesn't act unrighteous, doesn't act arrogant, puffed up, and proud. It's, it's different. It's different. I thought it was just a, it was a good reminder for me, thinking about in a difficult day, to just keep loving people. To keep loving one another, and not just any people. He says, love one another. You know what I've noticed? It's really easy to love people I don't know. It's easy to love people I don't have to be around. It's easy to love people who I don't spend any time with, or I don't look at their social media, or I don't listen to their baloney. You know, it's just it's just easy to love those kind of people. The people that's hard to love is people I'm around and who disagree with me or do things in a way that I wouldn't do them. That's the ones it's hard to love, but that's the ones he says in the church. Love one another. Love that flawed flesh and blood person who sits a couple of pews up from you. Love that person who is in your Sunday school class. Maybe they have a little different take than you have on things. Love that person in this place. Love real people. Love one another. And it can be difficult. That's what it's about. It's about loving each other. I don't know of a more important inoculation against evil, anger, disease, dispute, dissension 
I don't know of a more important thing we could take into our lives and let proliferate than love. Folks, if you haven't noticed, our world is in turmoil. Period. And people are divided, and groups seem to want to split us further apart and cause more dissension, hatred. And the best antidote to that is biblical Christian love. We need it. Where there is already brokenness and anger and problems, the curative, the healing balm that we need is the love of Christ. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. You know, we spend our lives on so many things, our energies on so many things, that in the end, probably don't mean a hill of beans. But your family, your spouse, your Christian brother and sister, your neighbor, these people matter. We need to love one another. It's just a basic piece of Christianity. All right? So the last thing I want to share with you, y'all said, I thought you were going to be brief today. I don't have as much, but I'm talking slower. Okay? So. The last thing that I see in this passage, and I think it's worth saying, because it's the Bible, is there is a stern warning against participating in falsehood and deception. There is a stern warning against Christians participating in falsehood and deception. I want you to see verses 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. The stern warning against participating in falsehood and deception. So there were, there were clearly people going around claiming to be Christians, claiming to be Christian teachers. Or maybe they weren't claiming anything. They were just teaching a bunch of stuff and they were coming in amidst the believers. But there were false teachers, and that's what he calls them, deceivers. Jesus said, there'll be false prophets in your midst, and by their fruit, by their teaching, you'll know them. The Bible teaches that in the last days, there will be a proliferation of all sorts of falsehood and deception. And so, this is par for the course. But we need not minimize these things. In fact, we need to hear the warnings. We need to give it a lot more thought today, probably, than we're giving it. And that is to say this. If Christian truth, there is this body of eternally true things, and that is our message, and that is one of the foundations of our fellowship, alongside love, we really need to think hard about what we in the church are presenting as Christian truths. We need to pay close attention to our life and to our doctrine. I want you to look at the seriousness of how John describes deception and false teaching. 
He says in verse 7, it's of the Antichrist. It is anti-Christian, these false teachings. It's Antichrist. In verse 11, he says it is equated with evil deeds. False teaching is, hey, it's evil. It's not harmless. It's not innocuous. It is evil. He calls it Antichrist and evil. And so there's this warning. Hey, don't be deceived and don't take part in deception. That's a stern warning. I want us for just a minute to note some of the characteristics of these deceivers or false teachers that John points out. Right, let's let's make, a, make a list here. First of all, he says they don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. So what you need to think about here is John is warning against people coming into the church, claiming to be teachers, saying they're bringing Christian teaching, but he says it's deception, it's of the Antichrist, it is evil, it is false, and you need to have no part of it. So he gives us some descriptors. They don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. That's an interesting thing. There are different heresies and different cults that teach that, well, Jesus actually was just a spirit or whatever. It could be something like that. Most likely, here's what I think it is. It's someone who says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's maybe what they would Gnosticism. It's this idea, yeah, Jesus is the spiritual being. He's up there, but we live in a material world. And he really, you know, Jesus and all that spiritual stuff belongs to heaven. But, but these are the things that are of the material world and of the real world. And I think John's saying these people that come in and they relegate Jesus and Jesus talk and Christianity and salvation to just spiritual matters and not physical matters, that's false teaching. They're denying that Jesus has come in the flesh. They're denying the central truths that Jesus came to save sinners, that he died on the cross, that he was raised from the dead, that he's going to resurrect those who are in Christ in the end. All right? So he says they're denying Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Look, here's another description. He says they go too far and they don't abide in the teachings of Christ. They go too far. Claiming to be Christian teachers, they're going too far. They're getting totally away from the teachings of Jesus. Do you know what we have been charged with sharing as the Christian church? What is the corpus of our teaching? It's Jesus Christ. It's Him crucified. It's the resurrection. It's the return of Christ. It's eternal salvation. And then it says we're to teach others all that Jesus commanded and taught us. We're not to teach our own clever things. We're to teach the teaching of Jesus. So one of the marks of these false teachers is they're teaching a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the teachings of Jesus. I tell you, in this day and age, if you want to measure on what people are teaching as so-called, quote-unquote, Christian teaching, does it have anything to do with Jesus? Does it bear resemblance? Does it match up? Are they focusing on what Jesus taught us and how he taught us to live? Or have they gone too far? They've given themselves over to some kind of crazy depraved mind and they're teaching all sorts of other things that have nothing to do with the teaching of Jesus. And then he says, and they come to you, they come to you, but they're not bringing the teaching of Christ. They come under a Christian umbrella, but they're not bringing the teaching of Christ. So I say all that to say, I think that we in this day and age can hear these warnings against deception and false teaching and here's some things
things like this. Watch out for teachers who are telling you all sorts of things and they're cloaking their teaching under a Christian umbrella, but it really has very little, if anything, to do with the historic doctrines of Christianity. I'm, I'm really shocked at some of the things that I'm hearing today being called Christian teaching. Because it's coming out of the mouth of people who profess to be Christians. But there is not one stitch of overlap with the historic, basic, clear doctrines of Jesus Christ. So I'd say, I'd say watch out for that. Watch out for teaching that has nothing to do with the historic gospel. With the message that Jesus saves. Everybody's got a message about what's going to save us today. But only the Christian one is truly going to say. I'll tell you, I was laying there. I had a, had a little episode after a treatment I took. My fever spiked and, and all kinds of things. And man, I was just, I was in pretty rough shape. And uh, I was just laying there. And, and I began to quote the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is the and, and I'll tell you, a lot of things. I was worried about during all of this time. But there comes a point, and again, I already told y'all I can be a bit of a drama queen. I was like, man, I don't know. This could be it. I don't know. And there was only one thing that I was worried about that moment. Am I ready to meet the Lord? When my life passes, if it comes tonight, is my soul well with the Lord? There's a lot of people teaching a lot of things under the guise of Christianity today that do nothing to help people prepare to meet the Lord, to have eternal salvation. The teaching of Jesus is about how to be saved and have eternal life. And I just think we need to get back to that. We need to remember that that is the central message. That is far more important than really anything else that's in the news today. But I'll tell you, it just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. Because I, I read a lot of Christian websites and blogs and, and media. And you know what? It seems like the Christians aren't even talking about the most important message. We've done nothing but gotten off into the politics of the day and all of the other issues. I'm not saying they're not important, but they're not the Christian message. Whether you wear a mask or not, or get vaccinated or not, I mean, it can impact your health and your life. But it's not going to save you eternally. There's only one message, and that's the message of Jesus, which teaches us how to be eternally secure and saved and have the Lord as our shepherd. Anyway, I, there's such a thing apparently as COVID brain fog and I hope this message has not fallen prey to that primarily. I just think it's a basic call to get back to the Christian truth. The Christian truth that we know it is historic. It is provable in the Bible. It has been the message of the church for 2,000 years. It was the message that Jesus preached. 
It's the message he told us to preach. Jesus died to save sinners. He wants to give us eternal life. I'd like to end on a, on a high note. Thinking about getting back to the truth. Getting back to the truth and loving people. There's a small group of us that have been the little COVID thing hit with me. Uh, we meeting together and taking part in the training, and I shared some of this with you a couple weeks ago, uh, about how to engage people with the message of the gospel. And um, we are learning the three circles gospel presentation, which is just a very uh, clear and visible and a really good way to share the gospel. I got a, a text message Russell and Sarah Borland have been up in Northwest Arkansas and they've been part of this class. And I think, Sarah, was this yesterday? I sent that message. Kind of lost track of time. But um, they had pulled into a car lot and I think it was the salesman came out and they just began to talk to him and they shared the gospel, I think, through the three circles. And uh, this man gave his life to Jesus right there in the car lot. And, and she described some of the story, and, and, and I won't go into all of it, but about his brokenness and his readiness and how the Lord was, was preparing him. And she's, she had said something about, you know, we just went to this random car lot. We had this random thing happen, or was it random, she said. It was not random. God was preparing them, preparing this man, and brought their paths together right there in a car lot. A man's life has changed. And he moves from a place of brokenness and despair to a place of hope and eternal life and knowing the Lord. Why? Because they chose to talk about something other than what we're all been talking about lately. And just got back to the simple truth of Jesus. And that's a powerful message. It's the most important message we have. And I know it's not the only thing we can talk about. But I think in the church, it better be the main thing. It better be the central thing. Because people need to know. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for being with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give uh, John the, the power of veto whether I preach again next week. That way, if COVID brain is, uh, is taken over this sermon, we find I do, I do want to thank you for your prayers, and I want to encourage you. And hey, listen, I have felt the love from this church all week long, and uh, I, I certainly appreciate it. It has been a great, uh, a great anchor for me. So this is, this is real. You know, the Christian fellowship we have, this is real. People really do care concern, love, pray, and then I've been encouraged by the Lord to help me just to remember the basic truth. Truth that never change. CBC is going to change every five minutes. Jesus ain't changing. Right? The Bible does not change. This message we have is eternal. It came long before me. It's going to be around long, around long after me. And you too. It's an eternal message. We're privileged to take part in sharing with God. Father, I pray today that.
that you would strengthen our hearts, our hands, and our minds to these foundational truths of the Christian faith. The realities of Jesus coming to make a way for us to be saved, loving us so much that he sacrificed it all. I pray that we would live and breathe and walk in these truths and in this love. But I thank you for this church and for the love that is in them and through them being worked out in our fellowship. And I pray today for any that are here who are feeling like I have felt in the past couple of weeks, disoriented and confused, unsure what can be believed, unsure what is solid, and that you can just shore up in their own hearts and minds today. This one truth that Jesus paid it all, that we are secure in Him by faith, it's not our works, but it's just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ that you would do that miraculous work of salvation. Pray that you would encourage people in this place today. And Lord, I do want to pray for those who are still sick and, and, and those who are recovering. Pray that your mighty hand will be on them today, help them to know that they are loved, not forsaken. To remember and that you're there with them. Minister of peace and power in their lives we pray. I thank you for this day. A day together. Pray that you pray with us as we go. Help us to shine the light of Christ. In Jesus' name.